Hey guys, it is still uh, Wednesday, January 17th, 2018, and you're listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. Uh, continuing with this week's uh, daily update stream about uh, the 2018 North American International Auto Show, uh, the Detroit Auto Show. We're going to talk about uh, what was announced on day two, grab a couple of the cars that I missed from day one uh, since the day one episode started getting pretty long. Um, so well, there'll be a couple of SUVs, maybe a couple of cars. We'll talk a little bit about some changes that are being seen in uh, at least with one brand trying to enter the American market. Um, and then I'll probably do a separate episode, if not later today, uh, maybe later this week, we'll kind of wrap up some of the general themes of the Detroit Auto Show, um, especially in light of CES as well. It's kind of become a weird dual pain existence between both of them. So without further ado, we'll talk about the first car, which of course uh, is one that I've missed uh, in the first day one stuff, and that's the uh, new Mercedes G-Wagon. So uh, follow up after the bump. So as mentioned in the opening segment, uh, I forgot to talk about the 2019 Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon that was announced at day one of the auto show. Um, The new G-Wagon is a, well, it's not a refresh of the old G-Wagon. It is a clean sheet design, even if you wouldn't really notice the differences uh, standing just a few feet away. Um, The G-Wagon, of course, is Mercedes' long-standing off-road champion in their lineup uh, that dates back to the late 60s and early 70s for the uh, West German military. Uh, This G-Wagon takes what they learned from the previous one and constantly revamping it over and over and over and over and over again uh, for the luxury end of the market. Uh, This one, you know, it's still a G-Wagon, but it can fit into the category a little bit more. Um, It has lost its uh, solid front axle, and it now has an independent front suspension, so it's not going to drive quite as much like a tractor, uh, even though it's still going to be very truck-like by comparison to a lot of other Mercedes-Benz crossovers and SUVs. Um, It does maintain uh, the boxy, square, militaristic shape that the outgoing model had. It looks almost exactly the same as the old one, and that's just crazy that Mercedes was able to pull that off. I mean, it's an all-new thing, aside from the door handles on the outside. Uh, that's that's awesome. That's really cool that they were able to do that. Uh, this G-Wagon is getting the 4-liter twin-turbo V8 that's across the Mercedes-Benz lineup. Not too much of a surprise there. I'm sure that the chassis will be able to take a multitude of other powertrains uh, from different vehicles. So expect the uh, AMG 63 version, I'm sure, shortly. I'm wondering if they're going to do a smaller variation with the uh, new 3-liter straight 6, but we'll see. I don't don't know what they have planned. Uh, It still has the locking center, front, and rear differentials, so it's going to be able to climb up a multitude of things and also go down them very easily as well. It has a very luxurious interior that is more in line with the style choices made by the S-Class and the E-Class that looks great. Um, It's just, it's cool seeing the the touches that uh, Mercedes-Benz left on the truck uh, to tie it to the original model. Even though this is all new and it doesn't look like it changed much, it still is an all-new vehicle. Um, As I noted, it the the door handles on the outside are from the original. They didn't want to lose those clunky, chunky metal door handles. Um, They do have uh, actual hinges for the door on the outside instead of the inside because apparently people like that those character lines. Um, There are these little corner lights on the front of the old truck uh, that 
were always really cool to see and kind of guided the way during certain situations. Um, but they don't really meet pedestrian safety standards anymore. So Mercedes had to figure out a way to make those corner lights collapse if there was some kind of front end collision. So that's kind of cool. Um, but really visually it's a G wagon. I mean, you, you can't really get away with it. It's the same thing that goes on with the Jeep Wrangler. You know, you change the formula too much and the people who love Jeep Wranglers won't buy them anymore. Uh, that's, kind of the rut that they're stuck in with this one really curious to find out how it drives um the old one you know was kind of hammered on for its archaic you know driving position and that's ride quality and lack of steering feel this one hopefully fixes that a little bit but you know it's still a body on frame suv it's still going to be a messy thing it's capable you know uh it's 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 one of the most capable four-wheel drive vehicles that you can buy uh but yeah, I don't know. I'm still a Toyota Land Cruiser apologist, even though that also hasn't changed for what feels like 20 years. Uh, and I think that would be where I'd rather spend $100,000 on an SUV. But this new G-Wagon definitely makes a case for itself. So, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Kudos to them for making a design exercise that is tied so deeply into the past, but still has all new stuff. So, Mercedes, once again, hats off to you and your engineering team for doing such a great job. So speaking of Jeep and speaking of refreshes, uh, Jeep has refreshed the Cherokee for 2019, finally addressing the gorilla, elephant, shark, whatever you want to call it in the room uh, with the styling on the Cherokee. Uh, if you don't remember, uh, Jeep unveiled the Cherokee just a few short years ago and was pretty well lambasted for the appearance of the Cherokee. I had these uh, headlights that were up high on the vehicle that actually didn't serve any purpose of all, at all other than being the driving lights. The actual headlights for the vehicle were lower down the grille and it just looked very strange. The grille was up very high with these very high headlights and like it just like this looked like this grinning shark. It was very weird. Um, this new one makes it look like a Jeep. It's got the grille lower down. It's got headlights in the place where you'd expect them to be but doesn't drastically change the character of the vehicle uh, by making it not look like a Jeep. Uh, they also refreshed the tailgate to look a little more normal so that it doesn't have those skinny headlights or skinny taillights up high that look weird. Um, they look more like traditional Jeep taillights. Uh, interior refresh, not so much happening, um, but the uh, mechanical bits, they are making some changes. Uh, they are going to be offering still the 2.4 liter Tiger Shark inline four, which is adequate uh, it's burdened by the 9-speed automatic. They're still going to be offering the 3.2-liter Pentastar V6, which is basically just a smaller version of the uh, larger 3.6-liter version that's made available in some of the other vehicles, like the uh, Ram pickup trucks. Uh, that's still going to be there. What's new is a turbocharged 2-liter inline-four with a mild hybrid assist. It's going to make 270 horsepower, uh, tons of torque. It's gaining more for the fuel economy things. Um, they're hoping that this new powertrain kind of delivers the power of the V6, um, but adds the fuel economy that really wasn't there. Uh, because in actuality, the V6, or excuse me, the V6 Cherokee really didn't have any kind of fuel economy uh, penalty compared to the smaller 2.4-liter Tiger Shark engine. Um, so I think, in the long run, I think a lot of people have kind of opted for the V6 instead of the four-cylinder. But who knows? Uh, so this turbo engine, uh, it's also the same engine that's debuting in the uh, Jeep Wrangler. Uh, so it sounds like it's a pretty potent setup. Um, I'm definitely interested to see how it performs in this vehicle. 
Um, the, you know, the the Cherokee itself, I don't have any major problems with. I think it's it wasn't, despite its looks, which I think were polarizing for a lot of people, I didn't really mind it. It was different in a good way. Um, it's a good-sized crossover. You know, it's it's not too big. It's not too small. It's kind of that in-the-middle thing that Jeep's been doing with all their different things from the Renegade to the uh, Compass to the Cherokee to the Grand Cherokee. <clears throat> you can make an argument, of course, that with the compass there, I don't know why we still have the Cherokee, but whatever. Um, but this seems to be like it's going to be right-sizing the power delivery and all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to see what happens, um, especially with, you know, the Trailhawk model, especially if that's going to have the 2-liter turbo. Um, I think it could be a pretty powerful off-wheel or all-wheel drive off-road setup um, that, you know, still... If you have been paying attention to some of my other podcasts, I still think it's kind of the outside contender for my favorite crossover, mid-sized crossover out there. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird crossover that's finally getting the attention that it deserves. I'm glad Fiat realized their mistake and are fixing it. But, yeah, Jeep, refreshing things. Um, now they just need to refresh some of the other products in the lineup. Uh, we're still waiting for their big... Uh, SUV announcement, something bigger than the Grand Cherokee. Uh, we didn't get that, that at this auto show, which we'll talk about in a different thing. But uh, yeah, Jeep, it's a thing. So an announcement made at uh, the Detroit Auto Show this year is that GAC, one of the largest uh, automobile manufacturers in China, uh, they said that they're going to have cars on sale in the United States at the end of 2019, or at least before the end of 2019. Uh, they are promising that we're going to get a family sedan, a small crossover, and a large crossover, um, and then maybe a compact as well. You know, It's hard to say what exactly is going to happen. Uh, Sergio Marchionne, the leader, the CEO of FCA, uh, Fiat Chrysler, uh, he said that they are willing to help GAC enter the market by potentially offering their vehicles on their dealer lots, uh, which kind of seems like a smart but kind of strange business decision. Um, on the one hand, uh, you know, keep in mind what I talked about previous episodes of the Salvage Title podcast, uh, Chrysler doesn't have a small compact car or a mid-size family sedan on deck anymore, and Sergio going this route gives them the ability to have that on their dealer lots uh, and also not have to engineer and test a whole new car. Um, on the flip side, you know, we're still getting a Chinese entry into the market, which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, if we're going to believe in free market principles, everybody should be able to participate in this market if they have the ability to do so. The question is whether or not Chinese-made cars are quite up to the level that things are at in the United States. Um, I think it's fair to say to some extent that there are no bad cars uh, sold in the United States anymore. Um, you know, there are a couple of exceptions to that where there may be less than ideal choices in the marketplace, something like the uh, Nissan Versa or the Mitsubishi Mirage, where, you know, you're making clear uh, exceptions at those price points of $10,000 or so uh, versus, you know, something like a Chevrolet Cruze or a Honda Civic or whatever, where, you know, in that segment, I can't think of a car that would be a truly bad choice. So if GAC is entering the market, you know, with a car that, you know, has a lot of the things that you come to expect, you know, Android Auto, Apple CarPlay, you know, the airbags with the safety standards that you'd want, 
Um, you know, maybe the build quality isn't quite as nice as what the Americans and the Japanese and the Europeans have hit, but, you know, it also costs 30 to 40% less. How many Americans are going to make that choice uh, versus the mainline stuff that you'd already expect? I don't know. It's tough to say. You know, Hyundai and Kia, it took them, you know, almost 30 years to pull it off and to become a mainline threat to Honda, Toyota, Ford, whatever. Um, and it might take 30 years for a Chinese brand to do the same. But the thing is, is that the path to being a mainline car competitor has really been paved for them already. You know, they can see that Hyundai and Kia doing the price promising on the vehicles to hold up their resale value is an easy way to, you know, make it an easier choice to buy these cars and trucks. Um, so maybe that's something that they do. They can see that there are ways to make uh, technological partnerships, and that includes partnering with FCA. You know, if that means FCA is supplying them with powertrains um, and electronics things, and it's really just up to the Chinese to design the car and make sure that the quality is up to snuff, you know, they can cut corners easy peasy doing this. And it's, I, I don't know, I, I think it's exciting in terms of being a car fan and saying that there could be a Chinese-made car, or a fully Chinese-made car sold in the United States. There already are Chinese-built cars being sold here. Um, but a full Chinese design and execution, um, I think it's it's kind of cool. Whether GAC is the brand that I want, mm, not so much. I would tend to lean more into the Geely camp on that, um, but we'll see. I don't know. It's, it's a cool thing. So welcome, GAC, I guess, to the American marketplace. We hope that you bring something nice. Otherwise, you're going to be laughed out of this country within about five years. So we'll see what happens. So the Lamborghini Urus finally showed up for the American market uh, with its official American debut uh, yesterday at the Detroit Auto Show, um, which also came alongside an announcement from Ferrari that they are looking to do a crossover themselves. Uh, those of you who haven't been keeping track at home, the Urus is Lamborghini's uh, crossover that had bowed as a design exercise back in 2014. Uh, it has been spotted in prototype form over the past couple of years. Um, it is based on the same architecture that underpins the Volks, or not the Volks, well, many of Volkswagen's products. Um, the Porsche Cayenne, the Bentley Bentayaga, uh, the Audi Q7, uh, that same platform. Uh, Lamborghini isn't getting the same kind of treatment that I think a lot of people expected. Uh, they're not using a V12 or a V10 from the Aventador and Huracan. In this, instead, it's a twin-turbo V8 from the Porsche lineup that's been tweaked to Lamborghini's standards. Um, I think it's about as powerful as the Cayenne Turbo S. Um, if it isn't, I'm sure they're leaving space for the eventual some kind of crazy high-performance version of this that Lamborghini will inevitably do, whether it's called a Super Veloce or a Performante or anything like that. I don't know. The, the world is fucking insane right now and this is a clear sign of it uh ferrari saying of course that they want to do a crossover now is another clear indication that everyone has lost their goddamn mind uh ferrari saying that they're going to be more focused on sport than utility in this makes me assume that they're going to be taking the what is it the gtc luso or whatever it is the hatchback uh performance coupe 
uh, and probably just lifting that up at some point and giving it a little bit more of a, I don't know, utility profile. But who knows, it's Ferrari. They can, in most people's minds, do no wrong, and I think I'm kind of in that camp, but it's weird that they're doing a crossover. Um, yeah, I don't know. Neither neither seems like a good idea. I can't believe we've gotten to this point. Uh, you know, the Alfa Romeo Stelvio Quadrifoglio is nearly here as well. Uh, that will probably be an inspiration for Ferrari to see where things go. But yeah, high-performance SUVs are a thing. Lamborghini is going to be the death of us all, and it's all Porsche's fault. That's just the end of it. So we'll talk a little bit about concept cars, and really generally the lack thereof at the Detroit Auto Show this year. Um, the only brands that really brought concept cars to the stands were Nissan and Infiniti. Um, Nissan had the X-Motion concept, uh, which is very likely previewing whatever their new version of the X-Terra will end up being. Um, of note in the X-Motion concept is the, well, what we saw at CES, the edge-to-edge display screen uh, that is both the driver information area where it's got tachometer, speedometer, all that jazz, uh, infotainment in the center, as well as other things down the sides of the vehicle. Um, there was some self-driving technology in the vehicle. Um, you know, it's planning to be a sporty uh, crossover SUV type thing. Uh, think of the original Xterra and what that meant to a lot of people. This maybe might get to that kind of thing, but they're talking about how, like, they want this this to be a zen garden uh, that lets you relax um, with, like, koi fish swimming across the thing as, like, an assistant for your daily life. Um, you know, it's 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 another point on those themes where where does the AI end? Where does the integration with your home and your life end? And a car seems to be the next logical extension for that. Um, you know... We'll see what happens. It's like I also said in that thing where I talked about it at CES, it's inevitable that advertising is going to be happening as you're driving this, or at least in this case, probably not driving this thing down the street. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. Um, over at their sibling brand, uh, Infinity, they have the Infinity Q Vision, Q Envision, Q something concept, which is going to be basically previewing the design language for upcoming Infinity products. Um, Infinity has been kind of, I don't, I don't really know what to say about Infinity. Infinity kind of started as an afterthought, uh, when Lexus had done the whole, uh, launch that was very successful. Um, Infinity was the also me too to that. Um, Infinity kind of languished throughout the 90s and then in the early aughts, they really hit the ball out of the park with the G35, the FX35, uh, the M35, a bunch of other cars like that and then they got a little bit too much hubris and then they kind of fell off the map current infinity you know it's just it's okay that's the best way to say it and this q vision q envision q inspiration uh thing it looks the part it looks cool um basically it's highlighting the powertrain vision that hyundai has for the future which right now is the electrification of everything so whether it's a hybrid a plug-in hybrid a hydrogen vehicle or an all-electric vehicle, it sounds like Infinity is going to be fully electrified in the next couple of years in some way, shape, or form. Not a loss at all, I think, for anything. Um, you know, if you get this kind of styling with a hybrid or an electric powertrain, I think it'd be pretty cool. Um, 
but again, you know, you kind of go back to what the Nissan had. You know, you get this AI integration, you get the self-driving technology in there. Cool. But, like, you know, there's just, there's scary elements to it that just seem strange. And, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. we got a lot of work cut out for us. So it'll be interesting to see where things go. But as the only concept cars that were shown at the show, not exactly the most wowing things that we saw. So... Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Alright guys, that is, as far as I can tell, the end of stories coming out of the Detroit Auto Show for 2018, the North American International Auto Show. Not exactly a comprehensive coverage of everything, but, uh, well, most of the announcements that were worth talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, it was an interesting show this year. Uh, not as big as what I think other years have been, with a litany of crazy announcements, uh, but didn't really have, you know, nothing either. It was it was just somewhere in the middle, where there was a lot to, to kind of talk about. There's some stuff that still needs to kind of be compressed and edited and, you know, thought about a little bit more, but nevertheless, it was a Detroit Auto Show, and, you know, I think the big theme this year is crossovers are here. They're not going away and that electrification is going to be happening sooner than later. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, um, if you guys have any questions, comments, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, as usual, at YSSMAN, or drop me a line here on Anchor at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN. Uh, this, of course, is the Salvage Title Podcast, where we talk about car news, car culture, and car whatever. Uh, perhaps we'll do a more regular show later in the week if not uh more likely next week where we'll talk a little bit about what's going on uh we do have a couple more car shows coming up including geneva uh over in switzerland as well as chicago down in illinois uh, where we're going to get a lot of varying different vehicles that uh, are going to be announced um yeah so expect a little bit of a news dry spot maybe next week we'll see but uh anyway guys it's been a pleasure this week like i said if you got any questions comments feel free to hit me up but uh yeah We'll see you next time.